0: Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. So if you have your Bibles, would you open with me today? We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I we'll in 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you're taking notes today, I'd encourage you to, uh, to write down some of the verses and the passages we'll be touching on in 1 Samuel. And keep an eye out because this week you'll be reading many of these stories uh, yourself and spending time studying and looking at God's Word. If you don't have a Bible with you today, uh, there are some great apps on your phone that you can open up as long as you promise me not to text message. Uh, and And any of that you 'll be good, uh, or there 's some Bibles in the pew right in front of you, so uh, why don 't you take a look at that right now we 're going to be in first Samuel chapter seventeen then we 're going to be moving through some different verses uh, through this portion of scripture today as you 're turning there, I want to catch you up and uh, catch you up on where we 've been so far. We started in the book of Joshua, and Joshua is the incredible story where God begins a new season for the people of God. You see, God had promised 400 years earlier that they would one day have a land that was their own. It was a land that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers. And there was a long journey, a winding journey that led them into Egypt, into slavery, out of slavery, into the wilderness for 40 years. A generation came and a generation went. And then God spoke to Joshua and said, "'It's time, arise.'" because you're, not, you're about to enter in and take hold of my promise for you. And that's the epic thing that God wants to do in every one of our lives, that God has a plan and a purpose, and he is waiting for us to get on board, for us to step up, for us to follow him, to take him at his word. And if we're willing to trust God that courageously, he will unfold an epic story inside of your life. But there's so many things that hold us back. Just like the people we read about in scripture were held back time and time again. Well, Joshua's generation entered in, they experienced God's promises. But that generation came and that generation went. And just as I said last week, as we looked in Judges, only one generation separated those that were courageous and bold in their faith from those who turned away from the Lord. One of the saddest verses in scripture we find in Judges chapter 2 where it says a new generation rose up. They didn't know the works of the Lord. They didn't honor the Lord. They did not acknowledge the Lord with their lives and therefore their hearts became far from him and that led them to terrible places in their life. I want to tell you if you follow after your own heart, you follow after your own impulses, it will not lead you to a very good place a place of brokenness, and that's where they found themselves. But they cried out to God, and he rose up mighty leaders, mighty judges that saved them time in and time out. But there was a problem. It was a heart problem. They continued to separate them from the Lord. And so we get to 1 Samuel and it's another turn of the page. It's a new season where God is setting up something brand new among the people where he is going to appoint a king, a leader to rule over them. And we're going to explore that in more detail today. But the reason why I've asked you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17 is because we're going to look at a verse of scripture that sets the scene for what we're talking about today. It's a moment in time and I'm telling you this today because you need to lean in and you need to listen to the holy spirit today because i believe that many of you are standing in this very place i believe many of us here today we could stand in this very place in our lives and i want god to do an epic work in each one of us today because i believe god has a word from heaven for us that he doesn't want to leave us here just feeling good he wants to leave us changed at the end of this day you may have come one way but my prayer has been that you'll leave a different way you'll leave changed in the presence of god amen Amen. So we're looking here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3. And what we see here as we get into it is that there is a familiar foe. There is a common enemy, an enemy that we've already been reading about, we've already been hearing about, and they're back again and causing pain and damage and destruction. It says in 1 Samuel chap- chapter 17, verse 3, that the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. This is a moment in time because the common enemy, the familiar foe of Israel, the Philistines, have showed up again. We talked about the Philistines last week when we talked through the story of Samson, where we see that these people stood as the enemies of God. Their desire was to take control of that which God had promised. And their goal at every turn was to stop the people from moving forward in the promise that God had for them. They were there to impede God's plan, to cut it off, to stop it, to hold it back from unfolding. And now there they are again. Every time the people are ready to step forward into what God has for them, that familiar foe is standing there in their way as a roadblock. So here they are in this moment looking to move forward looking to walk in the plan and the purpose of God in their lives, in their story, and their enemy stands in front of them. And not only did their enemy stand in front of them, but there was a giant that was among them. The Bible says his name was Goliath. You may have heard about him before. This man stood nine feet, nine inches tall, head and shoulders above the rest. He was so intimidating to look at. He stood there like a roadblock right in front of them, and the people would not step forward another step. When I think about this man, I think about how big he was. I'm reminded of an article that I read recently uh, and a picture that I saw online. There's a man uh, that has become pretty popular online, and his nickname is the Iranian Hulk. I don't know if you've seen this picture before, but take a look at this guy. He is huge. He has 175 kilograms of muscle on his body alone. And there are pictures, if you look on social media, where they have tinted the picture green, and this man is the Hulk. Uh, he looks just like him. This man has so much muscle mass, he, he is just huge, intimidating. His name is uh, Siraj Godabri. Uh, And and he is uh, Iranian. He's uh, a bodybuilder, evidently. He's a little bit stronger than me. uh, And I don't think I want to arm wrestle him uh, anytime soon. But this guy just stands. Could you imagine if you were trying to get somewhere and you needed to get through a doorway and on the other side of that was exactly what you needed, but as you're walking towards it, this guy steps into that doorway, if he could even fit in that doorway right there in front of me. And could you imagine if he has a look in his eyes like he wants to wish you harm? How do you feel about walking through that door? Uh, Yeah, that's pretty intimidating, right? So you can imagine that with me. Well, this man, Goliath, that stood nine feet, nine inches tall, he makes this guy look like a little child. He was so big. He was so strong. What many of our people like him would be bench pressing, would be working out with, he was wearing as clothing, that much weight on him. This man stood head and shoulders above the rest. He was just so strong, so intimidating. He was a giant that was standing there, blocking the way for what God wanted to do in the lives of these people. I want to tell you that the names and the faces have changed, but today there are still giants that are standing in the way. There are still giants that are standing on the other side between you and where God is trying to lead you. And I want to tell you, so many people can become so paralyzed with fear, so stuck in the place that they are because they're staring at a giant and they don't know what to do. Maybe that giant for you is your health. Maybe that giant is a broken marriage or relationship. Maybe that giant is a job loss. And I want to tell you, it has just intimidated you. It has shaken you to your core. And there you are standing, just held back from stepping forward anymore. You don't know what you're going to do and you don't know what you need in this moment. I want to tell you that as I think about the story from last week, I believe there is a man that lived that could have done away with Goliath pretty simply. We talked about him last week. His name was Samson. I want to talk about a guy who was anointed by God, who had superhuman strength, a man who was able to overcome a 1,000 men in one battle by himself single-handedly. I truly believe he could have taken down Goliath. But I want to tell you today that what God was looking for to bring about the great defeat was not a man who had physical strength. It was not a man who had that kind of strength. Because if it's just about the strength of your hands, if it's just about your physical strength, then Samson would have been the perfect guy to lead and bring about that kind of great victory. But we saw that although Samson had so much strength, how he was so gifted, his life fell apart and fell into destruction. So it wasn't about the strength of the hands that the Lord needed in that moment. It was a different kind of strength that the Lord was looking for. It would be a different kind of strength that would truly unlock and move God's people forward into the plan that he has for them. And I want to tell you today, we're still locked in a battle. You'd say, you know what, I don't think that there are any human beings that are coming after me that look like Goliath. But I want to tell you, the Bible says that our battle is no longer against flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle. And it is against the enemy of God, Satan, and it is against principalities and powers that have set themselves up against you. So I want you to know today that you are in a battle, that there is a giant that's standing there. And I want to tell you that our God is a God who has given victory and he's ready for you to walk in it. And so if we're going to have that victory, we need to learn from God's word, from the timeless truths of his word. What does that look like? What kind of strength do we need? If it isn't about the strength of our hands, what kind of strength is it? I want to tell you today, and as we'll see in God's word, it's not a strength of hand, it's a strength of heart that God needs. He needs hearts that are strong, that are ready to move forward in what he has for them. If it was just about the strength of hands, then there's other leaders that could have rose up. But we'll see time and again this common thread going through God's word that he's looking for strength of heart. That's the title of today's message, strength of heart. And we're going to look at some attributes Of how we can have a heart that is strong in what God has for us. A heart that is strong and can move forward, can overcome giants, and can take hold of the things that God is leading and has set up for us in the plans and purposes that he has for our lives. So we're looking here at the people of God, the story of Israel. And as we move forward, I said in 1 Samuel uh, throughout the entire book, you see that a big narrative that's unfolding, a big part of the story, is Israel's search for a king. Israel searched for a leader. They desired to have a leader among them. And so Samuel, this young man, is born. And he is born as a miracle child. I know that there are some that even maybe are among us, that maybe a doctor told you you could never have a child, or you would never be able to do that, and God blessed your life. The doctors told my wife's parents, they wouldn't be able to have a child because of a sickness that was in her body, but God healed her and touched her, and now my daughter was their only child, and uh, such a blessing in my life and to my children. Uh, don't tell me we don't serve a God that can do the impossible. He does it today. Uh, and so there was a miracle child that was born. His name was Samuel. And when he was born, his mother, Hannah, brought him to the Lord. And she said, this child's a gift from God, and I'm giving him back to the Lord. She said, I wanted to grow up in the house of God. And so he grew up there in the temple. And a man that took care of him, his name was Eli. And and Eli was growing older and older in his age. And the hearts of the people at that time weren't sensitive to the Lord anymore. They weren't open to God. But this young boy, Samuel, God had a plan for his life. And at a young age, the Lord began to speak to him in the middle of the night would wake him up and begin to speak to him and he would hear the voice of God and he became one of the leaders, one of the prophets, one of the people that would hear from the Lord and speak out to the people and God would then use Samuel to lead the people of God into a brand new season, into a brand new time and so Samuel stepped into that place of calling. He stepped into the epic story that God was unfolding in that moment but as he stood there and as he tried to turn the hearts of the people back to God continually, eventually the people They were overcome by something. It's a dangerous thing. It's something that you think is very innocent, I'm sure. But it's a trap that they fell into, and it's a trap that we still fall into today. It was a trap of comparison. It was a trap of comparison. Now, some of you parents, you know exactly what this is like because your child has been pulling on your sleeve saying, I need the newest iPhone. I need the Galaxy this. I need the eye this. I need that. And when you ask them why, what do they say? Because Timmy down the street has it. Because my friend at school has it. I need that. Why do you need it? Because all the kids have it. Because they've taken a look at those around them. They've compared it to what they have, and they have come up wanting. Are you with me? I wish I could tell you today that that ends in your childhood. Parents, you know that that's not true. We know that we're spending exorbitant amounts of money because we compare ourselves to others to keep up with status quo, to keep up with maintaining the image. And that trap of comparison can be a very dangerous thing because it is in complete opposition to the first attribute of a heart that is strong before the Lord. The first thing that we need is we need a set-apart heart. It's a heart that is set apart. Do you know that the people of God... Israel they existed like no other people in the world they were God's chosen people they were a people that God literally said you are a people set apart unto me you said everyone else has rulers everyone else has kings but guess what you have the king of kings as your ruler you have the God that created and spoke the universe into being those governments they could be set up that way but you are under me And he would set up his people, those that he would use as oracles, as prophets, as people would speak for him. But you know what happened among the people? They started comparing themselves to others. They started to look around and they say, why do all the other nations have kings and we don't have any kings? Why do all the other nations look like this and we don't look like this? So they start grumbling and they start saying, give us a king, give us a king. And Samuel, he, he's, he's just flabbergasted by it, he's so saddened by it. But the Lord comes to him to bring him comfort. And here's what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7. The Lord says to Samuel, the prophet, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all they say to you, because they have not rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me from being king over them. You see, when we get caught in the comparison game, we want so badly What everyone else has, and we miss out on what God has for us. Because it may be different, it will not look. I wanna tell you if you are set apart, then the very idea of being set apart is you're gonna be different than something. Are you following me today? If you're set apart, you're separated from. If you are set apart, then that means that you're not gonna operate and look like everyone else. If you've been set apart from this world, that means you're not supposed to look like this world. If you've been set apart and we are now in a new kingdom, the Bible says that if you're in Jesus, that you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Here's what you need to know today, that it looks a lot different in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, than it does in the kingdom of darkness. And so therefore, we shouldn't look the same. We're in this world, we're not of this world. We're set apart from this world. The people of God Israel, they were called to be a set apart people, but they wanted to blend in. They wanted to be like everyone else. You are a set apart for God's purpose and God's glory. Quit comparing yourself to others that are not set apart from God, that do not look to be set apart in that way. Don't compare yourself and come up wanting, but live a set-apart life. It's going to be uncomfortable at times because what God calls of you, what God has called of you and brought you into is a brand-new relationship. It's meant to look different. It's meant to look different. But guess what? He set a different path for you. It's a road that leads to life. It's a road that leads to God's blessing in your life, his provision, his promises being fulfilled in and through you. But it requires being set apart. And to be set apart and have a set-apart heart, it means that you have a heart that is fully devoted to the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what the Lord is looking for. And so as Samuel sets out and he's looking for the next king and the Lord is using him, he brings him to a man. And his his name is Saul. And Saul, this man, this man was tall. He looked good. He had all the physical appearances. He had everything on the outside. And as Saul stood there in front of the people, they could see. Samuel could see the potential that God had in him. But it isn't just about the outward. It's about something deeper. And so Samuel puts before him an opportunity it says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come and I want you to worship the Lord in this way and I want you to, to meet with these prophets and, and they're going to prophesy and, and do all this according to the Lord. Set yourself apart to him. And when you do that, something transformative is going to happen. Here's what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. He says, then, Saul, when you do this, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into another man. Lord, as, as you do this, the Lord's going to come upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is going to strengthen you. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are looking throughout the world to strengthen the one whose heart is fully set apart, devoted to Him. And so... Saul does exactly what he's called to do. He walks in obedience. He sets his heart upon the Lord. And here's what it says in 1 Samuel ten nine. Then it happened that when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart and all those signs came about on that day. And so God fulfilled his promise. He strengthened him because his heart was set apart unto him. It's so vitally important. If that wanes, if that slips, if we miss that, then it can cause so much pain, so much destruction So much trouble. Here's what you need to know today. It's so important to have a set-apart heart because if we have a divided heart, it's going to lead towards destruction. A divided heart will soon become a defeated heart. Your heart cannot serve two masters. Jesus said this. He said, you'll love one, you'll hate the other. We can't have a heart that is divided in our allegiance. The Lord said it in the Old Testament. Jesus reaffirmed it in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. We are called to love him and him alone, to worship him and him alone, to not have a heart that is being divided in our allegiance. We serve the Lord first. And with all that we are, with a heart that is set apart unto him. But as that division happens, it can have ramifications. And by the time we get to 1 Samuel 13, Saul has been leading the people of God. And God's power has rested on him. And the spirit of God has anointed him. And he's led well and brought great victory to the people. And as they're moving and as they're continuing on, the Lord gives specific instructions through Samuel. And as Saul's there among the people and things aren't necessarily unfolding in the way that he had hoped they would or as he anticipated they would, he wasn't sure what to do in a moment. And so instead of leaning onto his relationship with the Lord, leaning onto this fact that his heart has been set apart, he leaned on his own understanding, on his own wisdom, on his own strength. He did what he thought was right in his own eyes. And when he did that, when Samuel came to him, Samuel said, what is it that you have done? You haven't obeyed. The Lord, you're not living. Your heart is becoming divided. What are you doing? And it came with consequences. In that moment, Samuel the prophet spoke and said this in First Samuel 13, 14. Your kingdom is not going to endure, Saul. The Lord has sought out a man, what, after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. See, a divided heart will soon lead to a defeated heart. We have to have a heart that is set apart unto the Lord, not one that loves this world and loves the Lord, not one that is sharing in any of those ways, but one that is set apart unto him. Saul's heart became divided in that moment, and soon he would become defeated because of it. The second thing that's needed is a set apart heart and also a faithful heart, a heart that is faithful to the Lord. A heart that is doing exactly what the Lord calls and sets him out to do. That's why this came to him. That's why he had to be rebuked by Samuel when he heard this this from the Lord because he wasn't obeying what the Lord had called him to do. You see, Saul had the physical stature. He had the appearance. He had the strength. He had all the outward signs. And if you lean so much on your charisma, right, we talked about last week, at the expense of your character, it doesn't honor the Lord. You see, God isn't a God that's looking to be impressed. He's a God that's looking to be obeyed. Obedience is what matters to him. It's what matters so much to his heart. And so Saul at times, he, he thought that he would do better than even what the Lord had said for him to do. He wouldn't walk in simple obedience, but instead he would lean on his own understanding and way that things should go. By the time we get to 1 Samuel 15, Samuel comes back to Saul and he says this, The Lord has set me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, look at this right here, listen to the words of the Lord. Don't just listen, obey. Listen to what God wants of you. Listen to what God calls of you. And here's what the Lord says, I want you to go among the Amalekites, and I want you to bring about a great victory. You're going to lead them. You need to destroy them. You need to destroy everything in the city. You need to leave nothing and go. That's what the Lord has called you to do. And so Saul goes, and just as the Lord had given him the anointing, just as God had empowered him, he had a great victory. The people overcame them. But as they were overcoming the people, Saul had some ideas of his own. Verse eight, it says this, he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. He utterly destroyed all the other people. And then Saul and the people, they spared the king, and they also spared the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, All that was good, but they were not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything that was despised or worthless, they destroyed utterly. So Saul didn't take what God had called him to do seriously enough. He thought, you know what? Maybe God didn't know that there was this much good here. Maybe God didn't know, maybe here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, I mean, what would the people think of me? What would my, my, my Israel think of me if I destroyed all this good stuff that could be a great blessing to us? And how good would it look that I was able to capture the king and rule over him? And so you can imagine this guy, Saul, feeling like he did such a good thing. Maybe even feeling like he did God a favor. Hey, God, you missed out on some good stuff. I got it for you. Don't worry. And Samuel comes to him, Saul thinking he did right. And he says to him, what is this thing you have done? What you thought you were doing right in your own eyes, you've missed the mark completely. And Saul tries to explain himself briefly, and Samuel says this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, powerful verse from God's word. Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fat of rams. You see, he thought it was enough. He thought he could impress God. He thought he could serve God on his own terms. But that meant that he was compromising the faithfulness of his heart. He wasn't being faithful to what God put before him. He wasn't walking in that way. And so his heart was becoming weakened. His heart was becoming compromised because of what had happened. I want you to know something today. Obedience is the key to God's blessing in your life. I'll say it again, obedience is the key to God's blessing in your life. It won't be anything else. It won't be something that you may think. It isn't going to be about anything other than this. Walk in obedience to God's word. Walk in obedience to what he reveals. You see, Saul had a tremendous responsibility, an incredible task. But God had done this. He had given him his word. He had led and guided him. And he was looking for someone whose heart was faithful to follow him. And he said this to Saul in chapter 13. The Lord said, your kingdom's not going to endure because the Lord is looking for someone who is a man after his own heart, whose heart is faithful, whose heart is set apart, whose heart is sensitive, whose heart will follow and obey what I've called. Guess what? A lot has changed, but the Lord's still looking for the same thing in us, church, isn't he? He's looking for a heart that's set apart. He's looking for a heart that is faithful unto him. Will he find it today, church? Will he find it in his house today? He was having a hard time finding it even among the leaders of the people of God then. Will he find it in his house today? You see, something happened as Saul's heart had become divided, as his heart became compromised and he wasn't being faithful to what the Lord had put before him. See, something rushed in. And let me bring us all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3 the people are standing there on one side of the mountain and the Philistines are standing on the other. And as the people are there, they see the giant and they see the armies. And what it says here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, it says, when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, who is mocking God, who is calling them out, who is saying and threatening them, send anyone you want to fight against me. If I beat them, Then we rule over you. If they beat us, then you rule over us. When he heard the challenges that were being thrown out, here's what it says. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Something flooded into Saul's heart. It was fear. He didn't fear the Lord as much as he feared others. He didn't fear the Lord as much as he feared the giant. He didn't fear the Lord as much as he should have in that moment. And look what it says as we get to that point in 1 Samuel chapter 15. After Samuel calls him out and says, what have you done? God's looking for obedience, not sacrifice. God's not looking to be impressed. He's looking to be obeyed. That's the key to God's blessing here. That's the key to God's continued anointing and leading and guiding in your life. And here's what Samuel says in verse 24. This is what Samuel spoke to him. Saul speaks back and Saul says this. I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and listened to their voice. When fear floods in, fear can get us so paralyzed. Fear can get us so held back. Fear becomes the roadblock. I heard it said, one of the greatest addresses ever given in the heart In the heart of the Great Depression, 1933, FDR is getting up to give his first presidential address to the people among that time and that season. And as he stands there, here's what he says in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of all the stock market crashing, the world economy around them. He said this, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. And you may say, Pastor, I've heard those words before, let it ring true in your heart because I want to tell you that that's the same as true to us today. We have an enemy, a very real enemy, but guess what? He's defeated. Do we need to fear him today, church? No. You know what you need to be afraid of? It's the fear that floods into your heart that paralyzes you. That's the scary thing. Not, a, not an enemy that's been defeated. Not the circumstances around you that God has already told you he is greater than. Not the things that happen to us. Not the things that happen against us. The greatest thing that is, is causing us is fear itself. It's a thing that holds us back. It's not the giant. It's not the armies. It's not the circumstances. It's not the sickness. It's not any of those. It's the fear that grips us, that keeps us right where we are from taking God at his word and moving forward. Fear gripped the people of God. Fear gripped Saul in that moment. Fear gripped them, and they stood there, right there on the mountain. They weren't going to move any further, and I want to tell you something today. There is an area of your life that there's a giant standing in front of you, and you're gripped with fear, and you haven't moved in a long time. It's holding you. It's holding you right there. But I want to tell you something. If we have a heart that is set apart unto the Lord, if we have a heart that is faithful, and finally, if we have a heart that is faith-filled, faith-filled, God brings about a great victory every time. You see, the opposite of that happened from Saul. Saul's heart became full of fear. He was paralyzed in it. The Bible literally says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and was looking to then anoint the next king who would serve over the people of God. And as they're going, and as Samuel's looking for who that is, he goes to Bethlehem. He goes to a man named Jesse's home. In chapter 16, he sees all these men who on the outward, they look so right, they look so perfect for the job. He says, surely this is the one. And the Lord has to speak to Samuel and correct him. And here's what the Lord says to Samuel. Don't look at his appearance or the height of his stature. I have rejected him. God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm looking for the right heart. That's who I'm looking for. And I'm looking for a heart that is filled with faith, a heart that it will trust me, a heart that is set apart, a heart that is faithful unto me. That's what I'm looking for today. That's what the Lord was looking for that day at Jesse's house because he knew something. A heart that is filled with fear will never step into the epic things that God has for them. A heart that is filled with fear cannot step into the great, incredible things that God desires to do. The people were held back every time. They were the ones that were held back in the wilderness. What happened? They saw the people on the other side of the Jordan. And 10 of the 12 spies, they became gripped with fear and they could not move forward. How long has fear been holding you back? But the answer, the antidote to that is a heart that is filled with faith. Faith is not a blind trust in something that something will work out well. Faith is this it is trusting that the God who promised is faithful, and the God who said it will deliver on it every single time. We're faithless. You know what, we at times, we won't always fulfill it, but God is faithful all the time. And to put our faith in him means this, I trust him. I trust him more than the air that I breathe. I trust him more than the the, the floor below me. He will hold me. This will fail me. This stage will fail me and cave in before God's promise fails me. That's how true it is. It's truer than the ground we stand on, church. That's the God that's faithful. And when we allow that to fill our hearts, when we hear stories on the mission field, when we hear about the good things that God has done, when we witness them with our own eyes, it's meant to fill our hearts with faith that we could trust God again, that we know he's the same God today who is yesterday, today, and, and forever faithful to do what he promised to do. In Jesse's house, he found a young man that no one would have thought of. They didn't even think enough of him to invite him to this event. He's out in the pastures. Why? Because he's faithful. He set apart under the Lord. What's he doing there? He's spending time with God. He has a heart that's set apart. He has a heart that is faithful. And we see that when he comes before, Sam is able to see what the Lord sees, anoints him king over Israel at that moment, that one day he would become king. Time passes. All those brothers of great stature, do you know where they're at? On chapter 17, verse 3, they're standing on the hill right next to Saul, right next to all the people, and they're trembling in their boots. And here comes this kid who is not invited again to the battle lines because he'd be the last person they'd want there. He's tending to the flocks. And he comes to deliver a meal to his brothers on the battle line. And here's what he hears. He hears Goliath, this intimidating giant. He hears him hurling out insults to God, the God of Israel, the people of God. And when David gets there, it's like something doesn't compute in his mind. He's standing there, and everyone else is trembling, and he's like, guys, what is the big deal? What is going on here? Who is going to stop this guy from saying the things that he's saying? It's like everyone else is intimidating, and David's there, he's saying, who's going to step out and actually do something about this? And the people are like, are you kidding me? And David says, someone needs to stop him. He's, 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 he's making a mockery of God and his people. Someone needs to put an end to it. And word gets back to Saul. That David's speaking this way. And he calls me, he says, You want to go against him? How can you do it? Saul even tried to suit him up with his own armor. David says, This doesn't fit me. I'm not going to be protected by your armor, by anyone else's armor. I'm going because God's my protector. God's my king. He's my shield. He's my everything. I'm stepping out. He says, and he begins to prophesy. I don't know if you see that. You'll read it. David begins to prophesy about what's going to happen. He begins to speak out. He says, I'm going to deliver the head of this Philistine. And it's like he's carrying some five smooth stones in a sling. What is he going to cut off the head with? But he speaks it out. He goes. He walks forward. Picks up five smooth stones. And when everyone else is running, he runs towards the giant. And he says to him, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, throw, I'm going to take you down. The people are laughing. They're cracking up. It is hilarious what he's saying. But you know what, what he has? He has a strength of heart that they had no idea was coming. He said, this isn't Samson. This isn't some of the great fighters of old. Who is this guy you've thrown at me? He says, you don't see my heart. God sees it. God's going to honor it. God's going to bring victory today. One stone takes him down. Takes a man's sword, cuts off his head, delivers it to him. Brings about the greatest victory among the people of that time. Goes down in history as one of the great defeats. Why? Not because David was anything special. It's because he had a heart that was set apart. He had a heart that was faithful. He had a heart that was filled with faith and a trust in God that if he was for him, who could be against him? That no weapon formed against him, no nine-foot-nine giant, no great circumstance, no difficulty, no trial, no enemy, nothing could formed against him could prosper if God was with him. He trusted God at his word. When's the last time you've been willing to do that? I want to tell you something today. Look at God's word and don't stand on the hill any longer. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick and the worship team forward at this time. And I want to invite you, church. Would you stand to your feet all around this room right now? And would you begin to just search your heart in this moment? Because I want you to know something. God's word is alive. It's living. It's active today. And I want to tell you, if you're standing on the hill, if there's a valley between you, if there's a giant standing there intimidating you again and again, filling your heart with fear, I want to tell you that you can find victory today. Because God's looking to strengthen the heart. God's looking to strengthen your heart in his presence. And that strength of heart, that strength of heart, when you place it in the Lord, and when he becomes your strength, you can move forward. You don't need to be held back anymore. Here's what David said by the end of his life, Psalm chapter 73, verse 26, as David wrote and spoke about the Lord and worshiped the Lord, here's what he says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let God be the strength of your heart today. Let him come and strengthen you. And here's what you can know that today is the day. Mark it on your calendar. July 24th, it's the day that the enemy's gonna be defeated again, come that on. the giant's gonna fall down, that you're gonna move forward into whatever it is that God's moving in your life. But it starts with an invitation. Who's willing to take hold of it? Who's willing to step into it? I wanna tell you that God just gave me a vision between the services that just as he stood there, you know what David did? He didn't stand where everyone else stood. For him to step into what God had for him, he took a step forward towards Goliath. He stepped towards him. He stepped out. He stepped out of his comfort zone. He stepped out of the security of the people around him. And he said, here it is, God. I'm there. I'm vulnerable. I'm open. I'm ready. And so I want to invite you today all around this room. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close out at these altars. And we're just going to give an opportunity during this last worship song to step forward and to step out and to allow God to strengthen our heart. Maybe you need a heart that is set apart. And you're turning it back to the Lord. Maybe you need a heart that becomes faithful again. It hasn't been faithful. God's going to restore it today in his presence. Maybe today you've just been gripped with fear. And what God is saying is step out. Step out of the boat. Step out of your comfort. Step out of your insecurity. Step forward and watch what I do. So I don't know what the giant is. Maybe it's sickness in your body. Maybe it's a debilitating issue that you've been walking through. Maybe it's a circumstance that happened to you that you have been caged and trapped in. Maybe it's an addiction that nobody else knows about. Today is the day that God's gonna bring victory over every giant, I believe, in his presence, amen? Amen, so come forward right now. If you've heard that call and that invitation and God put it in your heart, step out of your seats right now. As the worship team begins to play, let's come forward and let's take that step forward into what God has for us. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, God, that you're the strength of our heart. Thank you that you're our portion. Thank you that you're greater, Lord God, than anything that we're facing. Thank you today, Lord God, that your kingdom is powerful and established. Thank you today that the enemy's defeated, Lord God. I thank you today, Lord God, that we can look to you and find hope for our time of need. Thank you, Lord God, that your is made perfect, even in our weakness. Lord, we call out to you today. We cry out to you today. Lord, we call upon your name today to restore every heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship the Lord together.